Welcome to Reputation Town. Welcome to another episode of Reputation Town. This is Warren Weeks, and I'm joined, as always, by John Pernak. John, we haven't talked in quite a while. It's been a couple of weeks since we had an episode, maybe a month. Uh, what's happening in Pernak land? It's been pretty busy. You know, election and all that kind of stuff happening. So we had a provincial election here in Ontario last night. For anyone, I don't know, doesn't matter where you are, I guess, the, the, the election still happened. Really low voter turnout, and um, a lot of people... Just it seems like a lot of people just kind of throwing up their arms, rolling their eyes, like ah, like a lot of people kind of checking out of the process. Um, the uh, the the part that I found really interesting from a reputation or a media relations standpoint, leading up to the election was, and you probably know more about this because you're the political guy, and I try to stay away from it as much as possible. But um, the uh, conservatives' strategy of not doing any media interviews. Like that, the front runner, or what do they call it, peekaboo, or hiding in a hole like a little baby, whatever the whatever the strategy <laughs> is that they call. But they were famously doing no interviews, and I guess the philosophy there is: if you don't do any interviews, you can't screw it up. Is that that's kind of the gist? What What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's what uh, I think that's what the the strategy is. Uh, you know how babies are often hiding in holes. <laughs> <laughs> well, in wells, they hide in wells sometimes. That's true. So, well, in this case, I think. The, the reasoning was both uh, both opposition parties are kind of in disarray. You're leading by a lot. And and actually, as the campaign is going on, your lead is increasing. So why add additional risk to the mix by subjecting yourself to, you know, all those interview opportunities or, you know, public debates and those sorts of things. So as aside, like, I would say set aside all your, all the comments or thoughts about, you know, what, what should or shouldn't happen in a democracy when it comes time for an election, it's, you know, campaign strategy. And so from a campaign strategy standpoint, they took a more cautious and conservative approach. So from a political standpoint, do you think it's a, a smart strategy politically? It just depends. Like at the end of the campaign, well, it worked even, even the, some of the other parties were doing the same thing. Like one party, that was not the conservatives uh, held a news conference, which didn't consist of any questions. Right. And so a number of journalists were sort of uh, tweeting. I saw that. Why would you waste my time inviting me to a news conference where there are no questions? Yeah. And, and if, just, but, but if you're losing uh, and, and so visibly losing, isn't that the time to be throwing out Hail Marys? Shouldn't you be doing every interview you can? You should. You, you'd think so. You'd think so. And I guess who knows? There's probably, probably all kinds of reasons why they didn't want to subject themselves to. But then to, if you take off your political hat and I know that you're, you have many affiliations in the political world, but if you take off the political hat and you look at it just through a media relations lens, don't you see that it's kind of a weaselly. If you, if you look at, again, not to be Mr. Uh, Sunshine and rainbows and, mm. and very idealistic, but the media is there to keep, government and corporations and everyone uh, to hold them accountable and just to, to be, to be the eyes and ears of the public as we're out living our lives and doing our jobs and paying our taxes. And the fact that these individuals who are going to be making these policy decisions and affecting health and education and everything else are not willing to answer questions, some basic questions from journalists. It, I have to say, it drives me crazy. It's it totally, it's a valid, totally valid point of view. 
I would just point out that both, I think there's many things that are true at the same time in the, in this discussion. And another thing that's true at the same time is despite the fact that uh, the conservatives decided we're not going to do any interviews. And despite the fact that media were talking a lot about the fact that the conservatives weren't doing any interviews or weren't participating in debates, people didn't care. They still voted, you know, in large numbers for the conservatives and well, delivered majority government. There's an asterisk around the large numbers. People, they got a large percentage of the small numbers of the people who actually voted. Yeah, fair point. And so ultimately it becomes a political game. Just get your party out. And the other, it's like a buffet of terrible things you don't want to eat. Like I think a lot, and you know, we have the pandemic. People are just bedraggled and exhausted. And, but you know, I, I, such short memories. If you think back to the long-term care situation, what was going on in those homes Mm -hmm. and the military coming in and just the thousands and thousands of people who died and like no government got it right, but Oh my God, like I did a a podcast on my other podcast interview with Bruce Croxon, you know, the guy from dragon's den. Mm -hmm. It was so such a great chat with this guy. And um, I've been trying to get a hold of him for a couple of years and we finally got an, an hour, but I was asking him about his response or how did he feel government officials were handling the pandemic? Cause this is still like, you know, like a couple months back. And uh, he said, it's not a, he said, I think they're doing their best. I don't think they wake up trying to screw things up, but historically it's not a, it's not a line of work that attracts the best and the brightest. And I think there's a lot to that. Like who wants to be, if you, if you're, if you're a really intelligent, hardworking, industrious person with a, with a good sense of integrity, why would you want to put yourself up to the scrutiny involved with being a politician in 2022? Oh, for sure. Like it's, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. And, and I think, you know, to be fair, a lot of these people who do put themselves up to run for office don't have a ton of experience in the public light and doing interviews and, answering questions in public forums and they're maybe not as skilled at it as, as some others. And so uh, to avoid, you know, the gotcha headlines of somebody fumbling over their words or saying something stupid in the news conference, it happens. I think, I think, you know what they say, there's that saying and democracy is the, the the worst form of government except for all the others. Uh, (laughs) It, uh, there's yeah. not, there's like not a lot of, there's, there's issues with, with, with the way our system works, obviously. And I think this election in particular, from a communication standpoint, you think about your audience, the audience are voters and the audience of voters was just tired of the pandemic, wanted to move on and really wasn't inspired by the, uh, the other choices they saw in front of them. So they kind of figured the, the status quo was, was the best bet. And you know what? I can't, I don't, I, I have a poor memory for this, but I don't ever recall another election when on, on election night, both of the oh, next yeah. two parties leaders resigned. Just, just left. It was, just, it was like a total, you know, and, and not again, I, I, I don't know. I don't even know why I talk about this stuff, but like who's picking these people who, who's picking What's the, what's literally, what's the process? Because, and I don't, you know, I don't want to talk about any specific individuals, but like you just, there's a, there's a, a visceral, you look at someone and like, is that someone I want to have a beer with? Is that someone that I would, would vote for that I'd let watch my kids for 10 minutes? 
And in many cases, like they're just, you know what I mean? It just, yeah. what's the process that, that they get chosen? Because you think there'd be a better uh, vetting. Like when I think of politicians, I think of like, you know, like a JFK, that's a politician, that's a guy. And, mm-hmm. you know, interesting. I, I was listening to another podcast today. They said that um, there's these different elements like, um, JFK was the first TV president and they, the, the, the debate with him and Nixon on television and Nixon had like mm. the five o'clock shadow and kind of sweaty and sweaty, like, yeah. get, like a tan yeah. suit. I look like shit. Yeah. JFK and, and, and Obama's the first social media president and Trump is the first yeah. Twitter president for, for better or worse. And it just seems like who's, who's picking, who's picking these folks. <laughs> well, they have each party has their own mechanism. The Tories have a, one member, one vote thing where it's a, like an election and you have to get a, a majority of votes to win. But it and, just, uh, it seems like it's not working. Well, you know what? Also, can I, can I just quickly, yeah. like, do you listen to tune in at all? Like uh, online radio no, stations? No. Every single time, like they, they have a little commercial now, like tune in, they have this little sound and they play commercial before you can listen to a radio station. And every single commercial was for Doug Ford. And he had his, his little jingle and his little slogan. And I, I was kind done. of chuckling, get it done. Or was that what it is? Get it done. Get it oh, done. Yeah. And only done. Oh my God, that song. And I'm, and I'm singing it in the shower against my will. But, and I, I can't help but wonder, like I, I, I was not in the meetings. I don't know. Maybe, you know, some people who were in these meetings, but I, I, I often laugh to myself. I'm like, how close were they? I guarantee Doug Ford was at the table going, my slogan's got to be get her done, get her done. <laughs> and how close were they? Like, can we, can we say get it done? Ah, all right. But like, you know what I mean? And whoever it is that can be, get her done. <laughs> I don't know the Jesus. genesis of it, but you know, who knows? But I think the, I think the reason why you heard it so much was because they, the stories <laughs> are so successful in fundraising. They fundraising. had so much money to spend. They had all the pandemic money from the federal government that they didn't spend on the <laughs> pandemic that they spent on commercials. Sadly, no. It's one of the, one of the things that uh, I'm actually most pleased pleased about is, and I I did did work to support this is getting corporate donations out of politics. We're getting way off. off I, to, yeah, yeah. So to be clear, I, that was a joke. Like I, I don't yeah. think that actually but, happened. But, but, but it's, it's there's something to it. There's there, something to it. There was a lot of money spent on radio commercials. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Okay, so we, we jumped right into that, but is there any, because we haven't had an episode in a while, any off-topic stuff, any just kind of life, general, other stuff you want to mention before we move along to our stories of the week? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this is, this is, um, this is sort of uh, of interest. Uh, it's not like a, a off-life stuff, because I don't, I think I really have a life outside work, <laughs> but... Um, I found it interesting that um, there's a new there's a new guy who's in charge at CNN, and one of the first things he's doing is he's basically said we're getting rid of those blaring uh, supers, breaking news, the music. Which, if you ever watched CNN yeah. lately, it was like ba, 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 ba. <laughs> it's uh, like a it's like a Hollywood movie. Yeah. Uh, and obviously it's overdone and people yeah. have tuned it out and, and more broadly speaking though, I think that is actually a positive sign. If, if, if media okay. are going to start, you know, putting a bit of tempering on the, the, the sensationalism that goes yeah. along with some of this stuff, I think that's, that's not a bad thing. Absolutely. I always tell people if there's music in your news show, it's not a news show. 
Um, and one of the things I'll talk about, and I might be irritating some people here, is Marketplace. So for the folks who might be outside Canada, Marketplace is one of those consumer advocacy shows here in Canada from the Canadian uh, Broadcasting uh, Corporation, CBC, publicly funded broadcaster. And so they have this show. What would be the, the analogy in the States? Is it like, I don't know, Dateline or 2020 or yeah, it's like that. something that like that? Yeah. And um, occasionally... I'm sure you've had the same situation. We'll have clients that get called by, by marketplace. They want to do interviews. And over, over the years, you know, back 20 years ago, you would have to do it. You'd have to sit them down and get trained. You know, you're going to be edited in a not ideal way. Like it's, it's a really very specific kind of journalism in quotation marks. And um, recently though, I've noticed that they, uh, they have, they'll show the same clip in slow motion like eight times throughout the show and then they have the, this dramatic music it's kind of you're you don't notice it unless you're list, listening for it but they have this music underneath and like that's not news and so i've been counseling organizations lately to not even do the interview like they won't give you marketplace won't give you information about what they're asking you about they'll just say we want to talk to you about this very vague thing and then you're like well can we have some background or what do you want to talk about well you'll find out when we get there and like that's <laughs> that's never a good idea and um, like I've seen them, they had a situation where they remember when the minister of health was Eric Hoskins, was that the guy's mm-hmm. name? And they cornered him somewhere, I guess it's Queens park. And they had uh, an iPad with a video of, it was like a long-term care situation. Like if you remember one of the seniors in one of the homes cracked another one over the head with a chair and it was on closed circuit TV and he killed the per like he killed his neighbor. Oh and um, I guess Eric Hoskins hadn't seen this and they cornered him in a room and they showed it to him live on the iPad, not live, but they showed it to him. And then there's a camera zoomed in on like you could see like the pores on his face and they're looking at his reaction. He actually did a really good job of maintaining a poker face and handling it well. But that that is that gives journalism a bad name as far as I'm, like the ambush style, the the not showing you the cards they have before they get into it. And the music under the thing. So Mm -hmm. uh, if you're in Canada and you get a call from marketplace, my advice is don't do the interview. The other thing, the the other uh, fact is like less people are watching that show than ever before. And once the episode comes out, nothing happens. No one's tweeting about it. So it's not the threat that it used to be. I didn't even plan to talk about that, but it just came up. So it's a good, it's a good point. I don't know. Um, Better call Saul. Do you watch that show? I don't. Oh my God. You haven't seen an episode. I haven't, no. I highly recommend. So did you watch Breaking Bad? I did not. What? (laughs) (laughs) What have you been doing, man? (sighs) Have we had this conversation before about Breaking Bad? I think we have. Is there a reason? Like, why have you not seen it? I don't know. I just never got to it. I don't watch a lot of TV. It's, okay. Um, Except for CNN breaking news banners. I'm I'm at a a loss. Well, it's on a loop. Okay, so I, I don't know. I think... Like, what's your favorite TV show? If you had like, uh, historically, historically, yeah. Like, what do you think? That's a great series. That's a classic. Um, get ready, everybody. I can't even oh, tell what's God. going. On. I, I, I happy I, days. The <laughs> <laughs> Brady Bunch. How 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 far back are we going? Honestly, you have a TV, right? Like. I'm watching. I'm watching a, a, a thing on Apple Plus right now called um, Slow Horses. It's like a adaptation of a um, sort of a spy series of novels from a British author. Mm. Um, it's pretty good. Wow, that sounds fascinating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd start. 
just give it a give it three episodes, give it a shot. Like I told my dad about this, and he watched all of Breaking Bad in like two weeks. No way, five years of show. But it's it's really good. Anyway, so Better Call Saul, I would say it's it's kind of like a spinoff of one of the characters, and um, they're in the middle of the last season right now. They dropped seven episodes, and there's another seven that are coming out in July, and um, just one of the best shows I've ever seen. So if people are not watching it. Uh, I really highly recommend. Great show. But you have to start with Breaking Bad because that's kind of like the, the prequel or the whatever. Got it. Okay, so we have um, a couple... You, you sent over a couple things that you wanted to chat about. Um, oh, before we jump into that, I do. I had one more note about the election stuff and the not doing interviews. You know Sean O'Shea, the reporter? Oh, yes, yes. Um, really great uh, journalist. He's been a topic of this, yeah. of this yeah. before. We've chatted yeah. about him. And one of the... I think one of the episodes was he was trying to get someone to respond to the PC party about the fake invoice thing. And like, they yeah. Were and they were hiding behind the door. Yeah. 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 Hiding behind the door. Yeah. Which, uh, that was early, early in the podcast. So anyway, he sent out a tweet a couple weeks ago saying that, um, the Ontario PC party was sending him questions to ask the opposition leaders, even though they're not doing interviews themselves, they were sending him questions to ask the other ones. And like on one hand, that's like, the balls of these people, you know what I mean? To, to do that. Like, we're not going to talk to you, but here's some questions to ask them. I just like, I don't know. Like, I guess there's no harm in trying, but that's pretty rich. I have to say. Well, and that's not that, that I, I've, I've had people ask me to do that before. But Can like a journalist asks this question, you would think just human decency. If you were going to shut the media out, at least don't have the audacity to send questions for the other people. It just, and this is why well, I hate politics. I have to say it's one of the reasons. Look at you trying to justify uh, this. A, a more, uh, <laughs> a more refined way of doing it would be to, uh, to, um, to alert the journalist to some information that may, may cause them to be interested in asking a question that they come up with on their own. But you, you can do it like surprised. there's a brown envelope sort of thing. Like there's you know the over the transom, the old like mm-hmm. you don't have to have it go from party headquarters, you know. No, I know. Yeah. Anyway, it's just irritating. Yeah. It's, it's it's a bit. This is why I don't do media training with politicians anymore. So, and I have not regretted that decision. Okay. Anyway, didn't mean to cut you off. So, oh, oh and okay. sorry, another update. I'm cutting you off again. The freshy guy. We talked about the freshy. Oh yeah. And uh, the CEO is gone. Well, he's he's like he's one of the owners of the company. Well, he's the founder. He, stepped, he founded the company. He stepped back. Yeah, I think he stepped back. He didn't he step back. He was they like stepped back. You know, we know that he was forced out. <laughs> Uh, the board probably asked him to step, to step out of that role and have somebody else in there. And what if he said no? That, you know, the, the fact that they didn't—I don't know—is it just. I think I think this is why that issue management, public yeah. affairs lens is so critical in organizations. And you may not be an organization where you think you're going to run into stuff, but here's. Like go back to that example. They they decided it was going to be a cheaper way to reduce their labor costs by basically hiring people in another country at a much cheaper rate and piping them in by video, displacing workers here. And they didn't see the obvious issues that that was going to cause. And you know, in five minutes, either one of us could have said, uh, "Wait a second, there's some going to be some issues with that idea." Yeah. Um, but. They didn't have anyone in the organization to do that. And so, yeah, CEO is now, now gone. I, I tell people it's kind of like there's pressure that builds up. It's like it's almost like you're just filling up a tire with air, but you keep filling it up and you keep filling it up. And the pressure has to go somewhere. And so 
You can be the boss. You can put your finger on the little valve and let some pressure off with a news release, press conference, media interview. You can get ahead of the story as opposed to being behind it. Or the tire can just explode. And so the pressure here was CEO is gone because they're not talking on Twitter. They're not doing press conferences. They're not doing media interviews. And so the pressure and like, so you can be in control of it or you can be the victim of it. And they were the victim of this one in big time. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I promise not to cut you off again. Those are all good. Those are all good things to discuss. I don't even know. Like the things I sent you, one of them, I, I, I honest to God, like it's been on TV so much. This, uh, Johnny Depp, yeah. whatever her name is, Amber his ex wife. Yeah. I, I, I got, I guess it harkens back to the, like OJ. The last time I can remember something being covered on TV. So it was all the time, yeah. Yeah. Like nonstop yeah. all the time. Um, but, um, and I think we, you and I discussed once before, like if, if, if you think that going to court is going to be a good tool to use to repair a reputation is, I don't know, not very likely to do that. Well, I think it worked. I, don't, for, I, don't I think it worked for him. Ever, but I think it worked for Johnny Depp. Well, it did, but, um, but it's the, it's your last option. Like to, it, yeah. it seems like it's a scorched earth strategy. Last resort. But it feels like, I think he was in, you know, who knows these, I don't know. These people, celebrities are weird in the best yeah. of times, but and I don't know the realities of, of their relationship <clears throat> from a, from a PR and social media standpoint, she came off looking very bad. He came off looking, and I think they're both actors too, right? One, mm-hmm. one better than the other apparently. But um, I feel like he, my, my read or take on this is that he felt like he had no other option left. His reputation had been so battered. He was not getting any jobs. He lost tons of money. And then ultimately yeah. that's, you know, when he's, dead someday that's what do you want your legacy to be as a as an abuser abusive husband and and all this stuff and so um i think it was one of those if i'm going down you're going down with me scorched earth and yeah uh, but awful like i just every time i'd see it and you can't open up tiktok twitter anything without seeing the little clips and the memes and what a tragedy to have um a marriage just played out like this in such a public manner for so many weeks. Also just kept going on and on and on and on. Never, never. The thing, the thing that I caught my eye though, was the day, it's like the day before she started testifying, Amber Heard fired her PR PR firm because she felt like the um, public sentiment wasn't going her way (laughs) and and hired, hired another firm. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, you know, hey man. they're in the middle of a trial, desperate. Who knows how they're making decisions, but it's not going to work. Someone shit the bed, but it wasn't the PR team. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! What a, that's a, like the best time to use that expression. <laughs> oh my god! But uh, anyway, I just, it, it just, it just struck me as like, I, I guess people were watching it, and the ratings are high, so yeah. that's why it was on TV so yeah. much, but. Talk about something dominating the news cycle. Like, good grief. Terrible. Uh, all right. Um, so do you want, do you have anything else you want to talk about with that one? Or can we put that in the, in the history filing cabinet? We should, we should file it away. Okay. All right. There's enough people talking about it. Yeah. Okay. What else did you have lined up? Uh, you had a couple other, the, the, the people buried with coal. I remember seeing that one. Yeah. So let's go to that one. So this was a story um, in Colorado and sadly it was two workers who were killed looks like it was a, it was a power plant that was coal fired and the workers were standing on this giant mountain of coal and there was a landslide and they were buried underneath it and, and killed as a result of the landslide. But the company that, uh, that ran the facility 
um, I'm just reading from the story here. Excel Energy had no comment. And I was just struck by the, like, I guess in this day and age, there are still um, lots of organizations that feel like saying nothing is, is an okay place to go. And, you know, from time to time saying nothing is the right thing to do, but you know, you just had workers who were killed. Like this is not the, this is not the, the time to, to do nothing. Like good luck. Maybe the lawyers are running the company, who knows, right? But, um, and they're worried about liability, which again, like valid discussion to have, but I think there's room for some humanity um, mm. as, as a company in your communications at the same time as you, as you manage your legal risk. It's mind boggling to me that in the year that we're in and the access to information, like any leader, board director, CEO has access, like Google it. What do you, what do I do in a crisis? And, um, the steps are, you know, express empathy, talk about the, the situation. What was the cause? Is there an investigation? Reach out to the family. You know, like it's, it doesn't matter if you sell ice cream sandwiches or, or nuclear reactors. It's the same, it's the same set of tools. And I really, I really believe that one of the problems, and I've seen this pop up in a couple media training sessions lately is, uh, when there's a crisis situation like this and, and obviously people dying at work is the worst possible situation you can have in, in that, in that way, people go into that, I, I call it fight or flight mode, right? That crisis mode when something's freaking out and the best part of their brains that they were hired for their strategy, their rational decision-making, their wisdom, all those years that is out the window and all you have run in the company is that little lizard brain, <laughs> which is saying, how do I make this be over? How do I make this go away? And it's, it's a human reaction. And the unfortunate thing is you can't, I don't think you can really get good at this the day that the crisis takes place. Like if the crisis has happened and you don't have those muscles built up, I think it's too late. You need to do it in yeah. advance. And obviously we're, you know, preaching to the choir here, like and, and biased because this is the kind of training that we do with executives, but you have to build those muscles in advance. Like if you look at like a Tylenol, which is obviously what, you know, one of the goats of crisis management or Maple Leaf Foods here in Canada, which are very similar situations in different industries, transparent, truthful, timely, just here's like confess the mess. Here's the approach. And, and ultimately they, they dealt with it successfully. Um, the long-term care industry, I know we've mentioned that already, but is probably one of the worst in Canada. Anyway, I don't really know in, in other countries, but in Canada, When there's a crisis, I would say, this is not scientific, but I would say over 95% don't respond. And so you'll see that little, you talked earlier before we started recording, you talked about searching for the term did not respond uh, after inquiries by the media or whatever. Long-term care homes, and and the problem is you think they're bad people. You think they don't care. You think they're apathetic because they didn't respond. Like if they didn't respond, they must not care. And I think a lot of times it comes down to fear. I think it's good people meaning well who are in the middle of a crisis and are afraid. I think that's what it comes down to. And uh, if there's one thing that you can convince your your leadership team, your board to do is get this kind of training under your belt. You have to kind of make the decision to do the right thing in advance. Like if this happens, you know, we have workers that get buried in coal. Like how do you think that makes the families feel? It's mm-hmm. just, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's terrible. So um, so I did a session recently with a group and really I got the feeling, you know, you can work, you work with different companies. You get the feeling this is like a family and that's a cheesy thing to say, but like they, they're, they've been together for many, many years. 
really good people, empathy. They've had situations like this in the past and like people are almost in tears at the table. But then when the interviews start, they that's all gone and they feel like robots and because they're afraid. They're afraid of the media. They don't trust you. And the problem is the public perceives that in a, in a kind of a negative light. Well, and as, you, as you've rightly said in the past, there's not many other jobs, like spokesperson or journalists, where the the work that you produce appears on the front page for everyone to critique, right? Yeah. And uh, so I can, I can, it's totally understandable why, but uh, people get nervous or get anxious about it, but that's even more reason why to, to practice it ahead of time or think through the scenarios. Like if I'm an, if I'm an energy company and I sit down with the operations people and they sort of walk through how the, how the facility works you can pretty quickly identify like the top five or seven things that may go wrong and, and, and plan for them ahead of time. Or Google your your competition. Like it's probably happened before somewhere else. Right. (laughs) Good point. Yeah. And that's, and you know, this is where we get most of our scenarios. Like if we're going to do a scenario, uh, a media interview or crisis scenario for a company, a certain industry, well, I just go to Google because it's happened somewhere else. It's happened in Louisiana or Alberta or wherever. And then you can kind of change the names, change the companies. But, uh, all these things have happened before. And the fact that you think it's not going to happen to you is maybe, and people are busy and it's not very pleasant to, to think about this stuff, but uh, it has such an impact on the people it has an impact on your company's reputation. And it's just uh, so easy to fix one day, one day of training can really reboot a lot of this. So are we done with the coal yeah. guys? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I'm going to, I'm going to make a habit though of, of keeping that as like a regular Google search. Because I think it's going to be fascinating to to see what kind of results turn up. Because I think it's going to be a lot. I'm going to call that the Doug Ford strategy. Did not respond to comment. <laughs> Did not respond to hey, to media inquiries. Once he won, he gave a huge news that conference. Doesn't that matter at that point. Jesus. <laughs> oh my! Only Doug. <laughs> Get her done. Oh my God. Um, you sent it over another one too. It was the Elon Musk, right? It was Elon Musk. Now I have to say, Elon Musk is like a punching bag right now because <laughs> he's like every, the he's like the the the, the person that everyone loves to hate. And I must say that you know um, there was the, people don't like his personality. There was a few weeks ago there was some you know fairly serious allegations against him about um, uh, sexual. Oh yeah, word. that that seemed Whatever. kind of that seemed kind of like not legit. I don't know. Who knows, right? But um, so I, my point is though that he's just like a, an easy target right now because yeah. rich guy in the world, you know. But he's also probably like one of the most unfiltered CEOs like ever. I don't think there's much of a ever. Yeah, I don't like there's. <clears throat> I'm sure there's PR people who work for Tesla and work for SpaceX and stuff, but. There's not a lot, there's no one who sits between him and his phone, right? No. Anyway, so he had, he had put out a, a memo to Tesla workers. I'm just going to read a couple of sentences from it. It's um, uh, a, a memo about uh, work from home. And it says, everyone at Tesla is required to spend a minimum of 40 hours in the office per week. Moreover, the office must be where your actual colleagues are located, not some pseudo office. If you don't show up, we'll assume you have resigned. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. And it's, it's obviously when he wrote this, it was like stream of consciousness because there's a typo yeah. in it at one point. And, <laughs> and uh, 
um, anyway, and uh, so then when after this was was written, um, you know, he's basically saying, look, you can work from home uh, after you've hit this forty hour per week per requirement. And then uh, the rest is good. And he went on to make the point that, look, we're trying to do great things at this company. And um, he, his opinion was no one ever did great things by working, you know, with a team have, being scattered at all, all corners uh, from home. You know what? That's, he's a CEO. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's a fair thing to say. Um, and I think the fact that it's kind of unpolished, He's just sort of saying it right out there. I think, I think if you'd given this to the corporate communications department, they would it would have been probably three times as long, and you know had a lot more, a um, lot more uh, yeah. finely sanded edges to it. Mm. But um, I think, I think the thing that struck me about it is if you set aside for a minute the fact that he is being, I think, overly critiqued because of who he is. There is a refreshingness about it in the sense that it's direct, it's clear, you know, it's, there's, there's not a lot of, um, spin, spin around it. Um, but I'd be curious to, to just talk to you about it and to see like, do you, do you think this is really something, is this an Elon Musk thing alone? Or do you think this, there's an opportunity here for other organizations to look at this and say, you know, maybe we should be clearer or more direct in the way we communicate. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of his, it, he does seem to be a, a strange character in some ways, but if you know, um, I have a theory that may not be popular with with everybody. It may not be accurate, but why do so many people hate this guy? Um, you could you could argue, and again, this is not scientific, but you could argue that no single person has had a greater impact um, in combating climate change than him. Mm-hmm. You could make the argument that he is the only person or one of maybe two or three people in the world making a concerted effort to save the species in the event we are stupid enough to blow ourselves up or we get hit by an asteroid or whatever. And this is the same guy doing, and, and plus a bunch of other things. You know, people say it's not rocket science. Well, this is, he's actually, you know, dealing with rockets. So obviously off the charts, intelligent, richest guy in the world makes you an automatic target. Um, my theory is I think a lot of people when they see an Elon Musk or someone like that or any kind of billionaire, they feel inadequate. They're like on some level, he's this, we're made of the same stuff, me and him. Look what he's done. And maybe I'm not happy where I am with my life. And there's a ton of different circumstances and starting points and everything else. But I think he's kind of a reminder like of potential and I think that's, I think that's, um, you know, ultimately we're primates, we're monkeys, you know, climbing to the pyramid and throwing the other monkey off. <laughs> and I think in, in that way, I think he's uh, kind of a reminder of, of um, wasted potential to some people. I don't know. Like, just... I, I think so. And I think, I think, I think it's, there's, there's, there's truth to that. I also think the fact that he has worked so hard, like he was like sleeping in the factory yeah. and like he's brought, he's been to the brink a few times with his companies and and managed to um to pull off some major successes um both with the car company and 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 spacex the fascinating thing is he's got like he's he's running two companies and trying to acquire a third at the same yeah. time and like, like one person and 
it just it's pretty amazing. Obviously, he's got a team of people like the people, the person who's actually this the the CEO at SpaceX is Gwen Shotwell. This the uh, a woman for years who's she's an engineer. She's been running the company for years, and and obviously, um, uh, you know, a team of really talented um, professionals. But that's actually one of the interesting things about his success is that it isn't obviously isn't all about him, but he's able to attract some of the most talented people in the technology industries that he's operating in. And um, he's kind of got this gravity about him that he sucks in uh, all these talented employees who are, you know, success begets success. And you, yeah. you know, get sort of a flywheel there of, of, of um, a virtuous flywheel there uh, around the companies he's, he's involved in. Now you said earlier that multiple, two things can be true at the same time or multiple things can. And I think this is one of those situations like, Ultimately, it's his company. It's his call. Is he right? I don't know. Because if you look at the same time, look at uh, Toby Lutke from Shopify. He's done the 180 degree opposite. He's like, we don't believe you need to be in an office to do any of this. We're we're remote first or digital first forever now. And they got rid of, they had the most beautiful offices in the country and they've, they've subleased them. And so is he right? I, like, I, maybe it depends on your company and what you're doing and your uh-huh. vision, but two very intelligent people um, making the exact opposite decision. And I don't know, maybe they're both right, depending. Like, it'll be interesting to see how many people end up leaving, how many people end up staying. Ultimately, it's a it's an employee's market. If if you do want to leave, there's no been no better time in history to get a job. Although that could that could be changing <laughs> with what's going on with the economy. Yeah, that's true. Because there's layoffs being announced here and there. But um, yeah, he's a bit of a punching bag, and and he does, um, you know, he maybe there's an element where you said you know should other executives or other companies take a cue from this. I don't know that everyone could could do that successfully because of the structures and the hierarchies. Like he is in a situation where what are you going to do to him? What are you, you going to cancel him? Are you going to take away his money? He's like richest person in, on earth. What are you going to like? He's almost untouchable in a way. And you know, Steve, the CEO of the company, if he starts tweeting to like that, you know, he's probably not going to last a week. If there's a you know the board of directors or someone complains or or whatever, so. Maybe there's part of that. Like, I I don't think it's by accident. I think there's he's playing a, a longer game here. He's talking about free speech and the whole, even the Twitter thing is very interesting. Like, is he actually trying to buy it? Is he just trying to stir up shit? I, you know, I, I don't even know. Time will tell. But, man, the guy seems to be biting off more than he can chew. That's for sure. <laughs> I think you're right about that. I think he's he's a bit of a special case. Um, and... Uh, and doesn't he have like Asperger's or he's something he's on the spectrum in some way, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he does. Yeah. But like, yeah. but people, it's so funny that if, if you made fun of, or you, if you attacked someone else who like, let's say you, you, someone on, on social media was making fun of someone who worked at a grocery store who had the same condition, you get canceled, but because he's the richest guy in the world, it's okay. Yeah. No, it's, it's, there's definitely a double standard there. Totally. Like, I, think it's, I think he's fair game because he's, He's, he's Tony he's, Stark. Yeah, he's Tony Stark. <laughs> um, anything else on the docket, or have we ex- exhausted all of our uh, material for this week? Um, you know what? Uh, the uh, I think I don't have any other PR related things on on the agenda. I think um, it'll be interesting to see, as you point out, where where companies and governments go over the next few months because. I think we're in for quite an interesting time economically. 
And I think that's going to have some implications for, you know, layoffs, communications. So you think recession, big recessions coming? Maybe. Does it feels, it feels like if they keep, have to keep jacking up interest rates, it's going to put the squeeze on a lot of people who are heavily borrowed and that's going to have implications. And they say, you know, like in the past, and maybe this is just, this, it won't be true this time, but I don't know. I found in the past, you know, um, when you look at organizations, the communications function is often like one of the first ones to get yeah, uh, chopped, trimmed because it's easy. Um, but, you know, it can often have uh, longer term implications for, for things like your reputation when you don't have the right people in place. Yeah. Especially when your workers are getting buried. Yeah. Buried by coal. Um, so terrible, terrible story, but there's, there's a lesson in there and you know, you're right. We should, we should touch on, we should pick on a couple of companies each week who have something happen and blow it off in the media because it's, it's such an easy thing to fix. And even if you don't have the skill set, I was going to mention earlier, it's not something you can get good at that day, but you can hire someone who is good. You can yeah. hire a firm, you can bring in, um, you know, an individual, uh, a large company, whatever, like there's, wherever you live, there are people around who do this. And with some very, um, with a, with a, with a very brief update and all that stuff, they could take your spot. The one we didn't talk about this week was that shooting in Texas. Um, mm. and just the chaos around that. And now the town, I think, or is it the school has hired a crisis management firm and they have police asking the media to leave. Like, and, uh, because I've been traveling this week, I'm not really fully versed on that. Maybe we could put that on the, uh, on the agenda for next time, but, uh, just sure, sounds good. the story that just doesn't go away. Yeah. Um, all right. Great. Uh, to chat with you. We'll get this one, um, up and posted and, uh, hopefully we can do another one next week. And, and when are we doing one in person with uh, beverages in front of us? Let's do it next week. All right. Sounds good, buddy. All right. Thanks, Warren. See ya. Thanks for stopping by. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, or recommend the show. See you next time.